Good morning, Hershey Free. Thank you so much again for joining us. Bob, thank you for leading us in worship this morning. Uh, if you are new to the Hershey Free, my name's Nick. I'm one of the pastors on staff here. and want to thank you for joining us as well. We are in a new series called Living in Hope. This is a series that we are starting today. If you were here last week for Easter Sunday, Pastor George wrapped up our Love This Book series by looking at the resurrection account. And we looked at that account from the Gospel of Luke and how that is where our hope lies. We trust in our hope, who is Jesus, because he defeated death when he conquered the grave. When he rose victorious out of that tomb, he defeated the very thing that held us in bondage, sin and death. And what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be looking at this topic of hope out of Romans 8. In fact, over the next few weeks, we will be in Romans 8 together as a church. And what I would encourage you to do is you can head over to hfcinfo.com. We've actually put together a devotional and discussion question guide for you as an individual, you as a family, as a small group, to talk through, to help us dig deeper into this topic of hope. You see, hope is something that, that I think everybody has, but it's what we hope in that differentiates us from one another. You see, even as we are in the midst of this self-isolation period where we're told to stay home, I think we've had to come to terms, come to grips with perhaps where we put our hope. Maybe you've heard conversations like I have where people are saying, I just hope that my stimulus check gets here soon. I hope this all ends so we can go back to normal. I hope we can go back to school. Parents, maybe it's you saying that more than your kids right now, but we have hope. But I think what has come to my attention most during this time is that even in my life as a Christian, I realize that perhaps there have been idols I have put my hope in before putting my hope in Jesus. And what sets us apart as Christians is our hope should be singularly focused on Christ. In fact, that idea of living hope, we actually see that in the book of 1 Peter. We read this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who in his great mercy, he has given us a new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never spoil, perish, or fade. This is a powerful passage. It talks about how our hope, our hope is in Christ because he defeated the grave. He had victory over death. And what we see is in that book of 1 Peter, we see this compare and contrast between hope We see the hope from Jesus, it can never spoil or fade or perish. And on the contrasting side is this hope that we put into objects or things that is tangible and momentary. And what I want to do today is I want to explore a little bit from the book of Romans, Romans chapter 8, and look at why we should hope, why hope is important. Because I don't think any of us would decry and say, Hope isn't important, but we would say, Nick, how do we hope? How do we hope in a context such as ours? When we look around, and and in some sense, it seems hopeless. How do we hope? And really, I think the underlying question there is not how, but more about why. Why should we hope? Why do we hope in Jesus? What does this look like? And so I want to explore why this hope is important. And so, like I said, we will be in the book of Romans chapter 8, specifically verses 5 through 17. But here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to read this passage for us, but I'm going to ask you to do something a little bit different. I want you to close your eyes and simply listen to God's word. I know, right? This is one of those times we're actually telling you to close your eyes in church, and it's not for offering, 
right? We're not praying. So here's what I need you to do. I need you to close your eyes and just listen to God's word. Don't take a nap, okay? Because we're going to come back. We're going to talk through it a little bit more. But go ahead, close your eyes, and simply listen to God's word. Romans 8, beginning in verse 5. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by, by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, He who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of His Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. But rather, the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by Him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings in order that we may also share in his glory. You can go ahead and open your eyes now if you had them closed, but isn't that just a powerful declaration by the Apostle Paul? To be called children, to be called heirs with Christ to be called his sons and daughters. And the Apostle Paul, what he's doing is he's writing to believers. He's writing to encourage them and to challenge them to live in the hope that is Christ. And arguably throughout this passage, you'll, you'll see this compare and contrast between our hope in Christ and our hope in temporary, tangible objects. And Paul is doing that intentionally. He wants us to see this is where we were, this is where we are to be, because he wants us to understand where our hope resides. And he wants us to understand why that hope is important. And as we look at this text, I think there's a few reasons we can see as to why hope is important. And I think the first one is this, it changes our perspective and understanding. If we were to go back and read through all verses 5 through 8 again, we would see that the Apostle Paul says, look, those who live according to the flesh set their mind on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit set their minds on what the Spirit desires. He's intentionally showing that comparison and contrast again. And he's going, look, for you as a follower of Jesus, for somebody who professes to be a Christian, to put their faith, their hope, their identity in Christ, You don't live this way anymore. And so what it does is it shifts our perspective and understanding of what's happening. It shifts our perspective and understanding about where we place our hope. We don't put our hope into something that is temporary, something that is fading, something that is counterintuitive to who God is. We put our hope and our faith in Christ, and that shapes who we are. In in, in layman's terms, it shapes our identity. 
It helps us to understand that we are God's. Therefore, as God's children, as his sons and daughters, our identity lies in him. And so our perspective and understanding shifts. How we see things change. No longer do we say, I hope my stimulus check arrives. We say, I hope that God provides just as I know he has, he will, and he will continue to do in just the right moment. It shifts our perspective and understanding. But it also helps to still our fears. Now, notice, I did not say it eliminates our fears, because I think during this time specifically that we are living in, fear has become a very real thing for many of us. We, we, we are told to wear masks. We're told to self-isolate. We're told to socially distance. We're told to, to worry about contracting COVID-19. Fear is all around us, and we're like, okay, but like, how does our hope in Jesus help to still our fears? Well, I think if we go back to verses 9 through uh, 11, we see the Apostle Paul says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but in the realm of the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you. And then if we go forward as well, he says, If Christ is in you, then even your body that is subject to death because of sin is no more. Because no more do you have that in you. You now have the Spirit who gives the life, who gives righteousness. And he's saying, look, the one thing that we as humans fear is mortality. We fear death. And the Apostle Paul is going, look, if Christ abolished that, if on Easter Sunday, thousands of years ago, when Christ kicked open the tomb and kicked death in the face and said, no longer do you have control over my people, what do we have to fear? What has control over our bodies anymore? The Apostle Paul is saying, look, if the very thing that everybody innately fears has been destroyed in Christ, if he had victory over it, why do we live in it? Why do we fear what, what God has overcome? And so Paul is saying, look, when we have hope in Christ, it helps to still our fears. You see, if we put our hope in something tangible, if we put our hope in our job security, into our financial security, into actually being able to, to walk across a stage at graduation, if that is where we put our identity, our identity will continue to fail. Because it's temporary and it changes. It's never the same. But if we put our hope in Christ and we say, God, I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on, God, but I'm going to trust you. I'm going to put my hope in you. You are going to shape my life. That governs how we engage with our world. And it doesn't necessarily eliminate the fears and the doubts and the worries and the questions, but it helps to still them. Because no longer does that fade away like the temporary, and we have to come up with a new hope. That hope continues and stays within us. We also see then that it changes how we engage. Because we are filled with hope, it changes how we engage with everybody around us. It changes how we see things. It changes how we have conversations with people. No longer is it necessarily a doom and gloom or a hope and a temporary thing. Our conversation should be hope-filled. When people see us, they should see by how we engage with our world that there is something greater than that is driving us. It is not something temporary. It is something eternal. And so it changes how we engage. In fact, in verses 12 and 13, we see that Paul actually says, Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation not to the flesh to live according to it. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. He's saying, look, 
When we put our hope in the temporary, we lived in the temporary. When you put your hope in the eternal, you live in the present in light of the future. He's saying you need to understand that how we engage is different because of where our hope lies. Because we know that the Alpha and the Omega has this covered. We know that the, the creator of the world has seen everything from beginning to present to end. And he said, I've got this. And so it shapes how we engage. We don't engage out of fear. We engage out of hope. And then lastly, it changes our future. And this is one of my favorite parts of this passage, verses 14 and following. It says, those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you receive does not make you slaves that you live in fear again, but rather the Spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. And the Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And if we are children, we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glories. Folks, we are not just simply called Christians. We are sons and daughters of God. And that means we are heirs with Christ to eternity, to the kingdom of heaven. Do you see the hope that we have in Christ? That this is the hope that we have the opportunity to cry out to God in the midst of crazy times, to cry out, Abba, Daddy, Father, hear my prayer. And that as his sons and daughters, God's going to respond and care for us in the midst of everything going on. That our hope is not here in the temperate, our hope is in the eternal, in God who has conquered everything. It changes our future because our security is not in the temporary, it's in the eternal hope of Jesus Christ. And so what that means for us then, what that means is this, is that our identity is in Christ and our lives are changed because of that. Where our identity lives, that is where our lives will lead, okay? If our identity is in Christ, our lives are changed and that means we live in the here and now, in the present, in light of the future, We don't live in the present in light of the present. We don't live in the present in light of the past. We live in the present in light of what God will do. We live in light of our hope of God, the living hope moving throughout all of time, controlling beginning to end, saying, I have this. And so as we live, we live in the present in light of the future, which means that our entire lives are a reflection of Jesus and the hope that we have. We are not bound by the temporary, by things that fade and change. We are bound by the eternal hope that comes out of the resurrected glory that is Jesus Christ. Our hope lies in nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. That is where our hope lies. But I think the question then is what do we do with that hope. If we can acknowledge that we have that hope, what do we do with it in this present moment? How do we live it out in this moment? How do we live in light of eternity in the present? Well, I think the first thing we can say is this. It's actually in language that we perhaps, as people who call Hershey Free their home, are very familiar with. Live, love, and lead. If you've come to Hershey Free, you've undoubtedly heard this multiple times or seen it on the banners around the building. We talk about living with Jesus, loving like Jesus, and leading others to do the same. But may I perhaps encourage you to think about this in light of our hope, to think about it a little bit differently. 
Because I think this is what we need to be doing in this present moment, is we need to live differently as people with hope, to love differently as people who reflect that hope, and to lead differently as people who want to share that hope. You see, right within the DNA of live, love, lead, the very first one is live with Jesus. And the the understanding of that is that we are living with Jesus, that we are sharing life with him. That's a relationship, not a transactional clause, that we are living in community. We are spending time growing, allowing Christ to shape our identity, allowing the hope that is Jesus Christ to shape who we are. And so what that means is we are living differently. We live as people with hope. When people see us, they should know there's something different about who we are. And the only reason there's something different is because we are spending time in a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our identity has to be shaped by Christ. If we want that hope, we have to allow Christ to reside within us, to make that decision to say, I'm going to follow after Jesus. I understand that only by believing in him can I be freed from the bondage of sin and death. I understand I can't do it on my own, and I need a Savior who can overcome the grave. Only then, as we are growing in our relationship with Jesus, do we find our hope in him growing as well. And so we have to be people who live differently with the hope that we have. But we also have to be people who reflect that hope as we love differently. You see, if you've gone out at all during this time, if you've gone grocery shopping, it's been really different, hasn't it? If you've simply been driving, it's been different driving around. But you know what I've noticed? is the fear and the anxiety and the distancing, both social and non, that people put between themselves. The way that that anxiety and frustration just kind of come to the surface all that much quicker. But what if we as people as who have hope lived and loved differently? What if our conversations, our interactions, our engagements, our posts on social media reflected a hope that is different than the hope that other people have? What if as we engaged with people, as we loved people, as we spoke to them, we loved differently? What if we reflected the hope that is Jesus Christ in our conversations, in our reactions, in our postings and musings that we put out for all the world to see? What if it looked different? What if our love for the world was different because of the hope that we had? As we engaged, it wasn't fear that drove our conversations. It was Christ, our living hope. So we live differently, we love differently, and then we lead differently. You see, it's not just that we we grow in our relationship with Jesus. It's not just that we engage differently as we love others. You see, part of that now, having those two, now pushes us to lead differently. It pushes us to show people Jesus, not just in word and actions, but to demonstrate what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. It allows for us to engage in conversations that push people to understand that Jesus is the only Savior of the world. He's the only hope that lasts forever. He's the only thing that will change our lives for eternity. And so we lead differently as people who want to share that hope, that our conversations and interactions now are pushing us to share Jesus with our neighbors, pushing us to put out on social media that Jesus is the only way, the truth, and the life, that nobody comes to the Father but by him. What if as we lived with our hope, what if we lived differently? What if it changed how we engaged, how we live, love, and lead in our world today? 
even as we are getting ready, perhaps to, to be able to be released from our homes in a more limited way. That doesn't mean that this changes. In fact, this means that we have to share that hope all the more. That we have to live, love, lead all the more as we seek to show people Jesus. And so as we, as we think about this, let me encourage you to remember who you are. You are sons and daughters of Jesus Christ. You are heirs to the kingdom of heaven. You are chosen and called by God himself. We are called to be people of hope because our hope rests in Christ. That he came as the perfect sacrifice to defeat the very sin that held us in bondage by dying a death we couldn't afford to pay and having victory over the grave when he kicked death in the teeth and he said, no, no more will you have control. The hope lies not here, but with me. Because I have come as the perfect sacrifice. I have come as the defeat of sin in the grave. I have come to establish my people as my brothers and sisters. Folks, we are called to be people of hope, not of fear. May we be people who spread that hope. In fact, you know, it's, it's interesting. Maybe you've seen this in our emails, our social media posts that we've been putting out as a church. We actually have a hashtag called hashtag spread hope. Is a hashtag that Pastor George came up with because he wants us to be people who spread hope. In a world that is filled with people spreading fear, who are spreading hope in the temporary, we want to be people who spread hope in the eternal. So may we be people who hashtag spread hope. Will you pray with me? Awesome God, we thank you again that you died the death that we could not afford to give. Thank you that you were the perfect sacrifice that came to defeat the punishment that we owed. And thank you that we can hope in you, our living hope, the hope that supersedes anything tangible, anything we think we have control over. Thank you that we have a hope that is greater than. Thank you for being our living hope. May our hope rest in you always. May that hope dictate how we live, love, and lead. May we be people that reflect that hope in every moment, every conversation, every thought, every post that we put out, Father. May we be people who spread hope. It's in the name of that living hope, Jesus Christ, our Savior, that we pray. Amen. I want to thank you so much for joining us again, Hershey Free. I want you to know that you are loved, you are prayed over, we are thinking of you constantly, and we are here for you. We can't wait until we get to meet again in person, but thank you for joining us this morning. And I want to remind you again that if you want, we have our, our devotional and discussion question guide online at hfcinfo.com. I encourage you to go check this out, continue the conversation about what hope looks like in our lives. Take care, and God bless.